Thank you for listening to Abide Church. At Abide, you belong before you believe. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Gio Munoz. You guys alive? I know, I know you lost an hour of sleep. Stop it. I'm going to speak for 25 minutes and 30 minutes, but I do have something I want to share with you today, and it's something that really I believe is super crucial for us as the body, in the last five weeks, we've been talking about what it looks like for us to live in kingdom culture. That it is more than just words or something that we say, but that Jesus came to establish the kingdom of heaven here and now. Are you alive? You got to be with me because I'm excited. I spent all night at the strawberry festival. I had funnel cake. I'm still wired. He came to establish something here on earth. And so... Even though we may look at the world and there's all kinds of chaos going on around us, we don't exclude ourselves from what is happening and say, well, the world is the world and what's going to happen is going to happen. No. Your job as a believer when you say yes to Jesus is that your light should penetrate the darkness. Meaning everywhere that you go, everywhere your feet step, you have been given that ground. I'm talking about when you work at Publix. I'm talking about when you go to school. Everywhere that you go and your feet go, whether you said yes to Jesus yesterday or you've been saved 50 years, it is your ground. His kingdom, his kingdom is advancing. There's no introduction. I'm going right in today. His kingdom is moving forward. And he's trying to use you to do it. It's, this isn't a thing that is ran by pastors And so we have to hire more pastors and more pastors to reach more people. You have been called. Say, I have been called. I have been called. called. Every single one of you, the moment you said yes to Jesus, according to the Bible, you have been made a kingdom of priests. You have been grafted into this army where we train people up. It's the reason for the fivefold. The gifts to the church are apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, and one more. Can't remember, pastor, yes. You can tell. (laughs) The purpose of those are to train people up to send them out to destroy the works of the enemy. That's why Jesus said, I have come to destroy the works of the enemy. And so we put before you the testimony of the Lord because what is it saying? It is saying his kingdom is advancing. When my brother stood up on the stage last week and talked about what the Lord did in his life, it is a prophetic picture of his kingdom advancing. Not just in a church service, but on on a front porch. Not just in some organized religion, but everywhere that we go, that this kingdom is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven there is no addiction. In heaven there is no lack. In heaven there is no depression. So what should be my job? My job should be to establish that reality here. Hmm. That looks like you understanding who you are in Christ. Most of the time, the reason people would exclude themselves from this call into the ministry or to give themselves is because they say, I can't do that because I'm bad. They may not verbalize that, and they may not be what they say, but the reason we sit and we want to sit on the bench is because we think we are not qualified to do this. So we hear people say, well, I just can't do that, bro, because my house is a wreck. Listen, the reason your house may be a wreck is because the devil is attacking you because he knows, he knows if you had everything, if if you were living a life of peace, the world would be turned upside down. So what should be our response? When the devil attacks me, I go even harder. When When my life is chaos and I don't know what to do, what do I do? I surrender, I rest, and I abide. 
I give myself and I put myself in a place where everything else, did you feel, did you feel the shift that happened when we sang that last song? Something changed. Can't do it. Can't do it. something powerful about us changing our eyes it's all good there's a place for proclamation lord i'll become the sacrifice you provide the fire it's all good when we sing about proclaiming the things we're going to do but something changes when we look upon him and we say "Mm, you're holy you're mighty you're worthy you're good above all else something in the he is drawn to this because the enemy would like to keep before you. you know, how many of you know the enemy has a testimony? You don't believe it? Watch Fox News. Watch CNN. What is happening? They are testifying of everything the devil is trying to do to destroy the world. So what should be our response? That we would keep the testimony of the Lord before us. That yes, the world may be chaotic. And yes, it may be full of hate. But I don't live in that kind of a world. Jesus did not call us as a church or as Christians to to point out the flaws in people. That's why from this pulpit, you don't hear us bashing, whether it be the homosexual community or people who do all kinds of things. We don't do it because according to this Bible, he called me to love. He called me to love. Well, you got to stand up. No, no. It's not my response. My response should be, whoever is in front of me, it's not even what Jesus modeled when they threw an adulterous woman in front of him. If your job was to get on a soapbox and preach, then Jesus would have pulled out his little box when they threw the adulteress down, and he would have made an example out of her. The response of Jesus when someone was thrown, this is the person who understood identity. That I can be involved with her, And it doesn't mean she's going to drag me down. And it doesn't matter how it makes me look. Because sons and daughters, listen, when you're a son and a daughter, it doesn't matter what people think. If If Jesus was worried about look good, he would have hung out with the Pharisees and Sadducees that on the outside they look good, but on the inside they were dead. So everybody's looking at Jesus and there's a woman thrown half naked on the ground. And what is his response? He kneels down and he embraces the brokenness. What would happen in the world? I'm talking to you about identity because this is important. Because we want to separate. I I hear this all the time. Well, the world is going, so I just want to be in my bubble. What is that? The Bible calls it putting your light under preaching. That we would be so consumed, well, people, well, I can't be involved in that, and I can't. What are you talking about? What would it look like for a church to embrace those that are hurting and having the faith to believe my faith, what I carry, can change that situation? I don't have to preach to them. I don't have to tell them what they've been doing wrong. Listen, how many of you know people who are struggling know that they're struggling? <laughs> they're not oblivious. There's something inside of them that says, I'm born for more. And what they need is for somebody to show them the way. Jesus did not condone the woman. He told her, go and sin no more. He was showing her the path. But there were no stones thrown. I don't know why I'm so passionate about this today, but I just feel it. It's not even in my notes. 
But I'm just telling you, the church would be, it would be attractive again if there were a group of people that would not let negativity come out of their mouth about those he has called you to love. You cannot love and slander the same person. You can't. You can't. And so we have people all around the world saying, Jesus, give me the nations and send me to the world. But you haven't even gotten on your knees and wept over those people yet. You haven't asked the Lord to break your heart for that person. To show you, God, show me how you see them. Because we don't want to hear anything about brokenness or about pain. Bro, can I share what happened on Saturday? Can I share? Stephen was speaking. He's doing a men's discipleship walk. And he had his sermon notes. He sent it to me. And he's speaking about discipleship. And, and you just have to hear this. He was sharing his, his outline, right? It was, it was an outline. Stephen's not an outline guy. You know him. Look at him. He's not an outline guy. That's why we get along. And so he's sharing in front of all of these guys that are completely different because it takes all of us to reach the world. We don't all want to look the same, preach the same, say the same. So he's reading his outline in front of all of these pastors and different people. And midway through the outline, the Lord told him, this is not of me. He wrote the outline. And so what I love about this man is any other person would have finished the outline and then go, I'll repent afterwards. But Stephen stops and he goes, I can't. He tells the, the guy in charge, this is not of the Lord. <laughs> the guy says to him, am, am I wrong? He says, I was waiting for you to just cut it already. The guy says, we don't want to hear, Stephen was talking about discipleship. He said, we don't want to hear about how to disciple people. Hear this. We want to hear what it costs you to disciple people. Oh. They're not looking because the world is not looking for five steps to become a better person. They want to know that there are people who are willing to lay their lives down, pay any price, pay any money, get rid of anything to see the world flipped upside down. So if it costs me, if it hurt me, if people don't understand, I'm willing to look foolish in front of all of the pastors and say, this is not him. For him to lead me down the right path. For so long we have so many different groups of people that are wondering, what am I called to be? And if you've been here long enough, you know, you know my response. Your job is to be a son and to be a daughter. It is to know him. Say know him. It is to know him. It is to understand that we as Christians are people of faith. What is faith? What does it look like for us to live a life of faith? Faith is more than belief. Anybody can believe for a season. Listen, according to Hebrews chapter 11, it says this. Faith is the confidence. Say it's confidence. Faith is confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. It's, it's a substance. Like if I could point it into picture, I could hold this thing. That even though things may not look the way I want them to look, here's, here's, here's the truth. It is a knowing. I don't know how else to describe it. There have been times in my life, and I'm sure there have been times in yours, where you're going through a situation and everything looks contrary, but you still have a knowing. There's something inside of you that says, even though everything may fall apart, 
I know, what do I know? That he is good. That he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So I don't know what to do. Diligently seek him. That means consistently look for him because he has the answers. He didn't say there is a way. He said, I am the way. All roads lead to Jesus. It's the only message. Some of you are here and it's like, we hear sometimes, well, when is pastor going to change the message? What other message than Jesus do you want to hear? There's not five paths to Jesus. There is one path and it's surrender. It's giving yourself to him. Well, I don't have my life together. He's the only one who can help you. Well, I don't know. I feel so broken. He's the only one that could put you back together. The reason we gather on Sunday mornings is not so that we can just sing a few songs. And so that we can hear a word. It is so that he can do something in our heart. We prayed it this morning as a leadership. God, you have to come. If you don't come, I don't want to be here. We're just wasting our times. If you don't come, because I need him to do something that only he can do. Not something that I can do, that is my nightmare. I, I need you to know, my, at night when I sleep, my nightmare looks like us coming to church and going through the motions of some crap and leaving the same. That is my hell. Because what we pray for in this church is that God would come and his spirit would crash in. It doesn't matter what it looks like, but that we would leave feeling refreshed, renewed, and full of hope. Knowing that God is bigger than whatever the world is saying or whatever the people are saying about me. And so I would ask you today, who are you? Who are you? I'm not asking you what do you do. When people say who are you, I don't say, well, I'm a pastor. Because that would be easy. Well, who are you? Well, I work, I work at such and such shop. No. Who are you and where are you going? What do you mean, where am I going? After this, I'm going to lunch. No. Where is your life heading? The Bible is clear that without a vision, the people perish. That means we are to sit with the Lord and dream with him and believe with him. Well, I don't got money. Maybe the reason you don't got money is because you don't have vision. God is a good steward. And he stewards everything. And so I sit with people and they're like, I'm like, well, what do you want to do? I want to be used by God. You do. Well, what does that look like? I don't know. I'm just waiting for the money to come in. I'm just waiting for God to do this. No, 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 no. What God is waiting for you to do is for you to sit down and block everything else out. And for you to say, what if, I mean, 15 minutes. You would be surprised what God has to do with 15 minutes. There are times, I, I wrote it on Facebook the other night, I was in my bed. And I was reading, and, and I just felt like I just need to set my attention to him. We overcomplicate that. What does that look like? I just, I turn off all of my technology, and I just start saying his name, Jesus. And I just begin to tell him, I need you. And, and within seconds, I can feel him. Because this Jesus is not some mystical person that is far away. That is, he wants to be pursued. This is a Jesus that wants to be found. This is not where's Waldo in the middle of the crowd. When you turn around, he's like, boom, finally I'm here. 
And so many people have all these imageries. Listen, the way you see God will determine how you experience him. Your image of, of, of what you see when you think God, whether it's some angry person or a police officer that's here to punish you, you, you name it. For me, for a long, long, long time, it was an absent, it was an absent person. It was this God that I believe he's there, but when it comes to me, he's not interested. Now, I need you to understand, tying this back to identity and living in kingdom culture, it's everything. Because if I believe God is far, then I cannot fully trust him. It's all tied together. The disciples came to Jesus. And they wanted to know, what's the most important thing? They asked him, what's the most important thing? And what did Jesus say? It wasn't this commandment, that commandment. He said, love the Lord God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul. It would have been something if he said, if he ended there. But then he goes, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, how in the world can you love someone if you don't love yourself? You can only love someone as well as you love yourself. And you got it twisted if you think that this Christianity, Christianity is relationship. He wants you to know him and then to know others. And I'm just baffled. Listen, we live in a culture today, even in Christianity, where we would rather hear a prophetic word from someone we do not know than from someone that we do know. If I brought Sean Bowles in here, he said, is there a Carl? Carl would raise, we'd be like, oh. He knew Carl's name. But for some reason, and it's so backwards. Because in our lives, the people I want speaking to me are those closest to me. It's those that walk with me, those that cry with me, those that weep with me, those that laugh with me. I have to give them the ability and trust. Here's what's the truth. If you can't receive from them, then you don't trust Jesus in them. Well, I just want to see Jesus. What if Jesus has hidden himself in the people around you? I'm serious. What if that person that you're struggling with being jealous with, Jesus has hidden themselves inside of him? You're busy, frustrated about their gift. How can God use them? He's trying to work something out of you. It's so quiet. This is super duper important. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. And if you don't know who you are, you cannot, what do you have faith in? You can have faith in a lot of different things. Some people have faith in money. Some people have faith in their job and their 401k. Some people have faith in themselves, and it's all endless and hopeless. Because without Jesus and without love, according to the Bible, without love, you are bankrupt. We have nothing. And so God is calling us back to this place, and he's saying, will you let me know? Will you know me? Not just will you serve me. And I was so, I was so moved. I was watching this video. And in the video, the, the guy was talking about freedom. He was like, you know what, man? You could be in the presence of Jesus and still miss it. When he said that, I was like, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> it doesn't make me feel good. 
He goes, it's more than just being in his presence. You have to know him. Judas was in the presence of Jesus. Three years. And the person said this. I need you to see that Judas, he never called Jesus master. He only called him rabbi. Now, I would submit to you that this is 90% of what happens in churches today. Many, many, many people, they, they know Jesus as teacher. Teach me your principles. I applaud the principles. I may even apply them to my life. But I would ask you today, do you know him as Lord? Judas never called Jesus master. Rabbi, teacher, the word master never came out of his mouth. And until he becomes the Lord of everything in your life, this is not condemnation or guilt. This is just truth. Until he becomes the Lord of everything, I'm talking about the dysfunction that you want to fix, the things you want to put your hand in, until every part of your life comes under his lordship, you will be lacking. Until I submit everything to him and I say, God, I, I want you to have all of my heart. What is the heart? Listen, the heart, it, it is the seat. Lord Johnson says this so great. He said, it, it is the seat of adoration. That's why the Bible says, Guard your heart above all else. Because out of it flow the issues of life. That means if I don't protect this, that's why sometimes it's so hard for people to enter into worship. It's not because God is not here. And it's not because he doesn't want to touch you. It's because there's so much stuff going on in here that it becomes difficult for something to flow out of it. And so there hits a moment in worship where you finally surrender that thing and God crashes in and you begin to weep. You're like, what's going on? Your heart has been softened. It happened today. I felt it in the room. There was all of this stuff going on because you got to know the spirit realm is more real than this. You touch that chair in front of you, as real as that chair is, so is the spirit realm. And you can literally feel when we started singing holy Holy, holy is the Lord God. You felt something shift. What's happening? The Lord is coming into your heart and the issues of life are flowing out. And it's what he wants to do. It's time to stop knowing him as, as rabbi and to begin to know him as Lord. Don't ask God to make you into new wine if you don't want to be pressed. Don't ask them. I'm telling you, some of us in, in, in this, listen, we've been around the world. We've served in countries where people walked miles barefoot with blisters on their feet just to be in the presence of God. And I know, listen, I love the air conditioning and the seats, but I would wonder what would happen in America if we just embraced a little hard? Like we lost an hour today. Oh my gosh. Lord, I sacrificed this unto you. But you know what jacks me up? When I see videos of people like in China. You know, I got like 15 Bibles sitting in my house. Am I lying? How many Bibles do we have? Maybe more. And when I see those people grab Bibles, 
out of boxes and begin to weep and hold them to their chest, it jacks me up. Because when the Lord begins to press and he begins to move and he begins to shake, things begin to break inside of you. It's why in Ecclesiastes, you read this book of Ecclesiastes and you begin to think this guy's dysfunctional. You think he's going through a mental breakdown. Like the titles of the chapters are like everything is meaningless. The wind is meaningless. The trees are meaningless. He's looking. This was a man who had everything. This was the wisest man. He asked for wisdom. He had, listen, when he ruled, there was so, the economy was so good, there were just silver thrown in the streets. They didn't know what to do with their money. Read it. And yet he's looking around, and to him, everything means nothing. And when I would first read that, I'm like, this guy needs some, like, he needs some medication. If he was here, they'd put him on some medication. But, but what's going on? In his heart, he begins to realize, I have everything around me. And it pales in comparison to him. It was a time in my life where money meant a whole lot to me. And then the Lord asked me to give like 12000 away to go to, to Africa. And I was like, oh. And you begin to give things away and then you begin to realize it's, it's meaningless. Like when the Lord takes me, I don't get to take my bank account with me. I don't get to take away my possessions with me. And so what the Lord is asking for people, sons and daughters of identity, is to live a life of faith and promise. To believe him. Not just to believe, but to know. The knowing in your heart that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Not those who diligently want him. Those who seek him out because he wants to be sought. Are you alive? Right on time. So I want to pray over you today. And what I want to pray over you today is that you would become, that you would become a vessel that the Lord can pour into. I'm serious. You know, there's been a lot of, of, of things being said about a new Jesus people movement. And, and it resonates in my heart. Like, I don't, I don't really care. I'm so past the, like, revival, revival. I just, I just want to be around people who really love Jesus. I believe, and I believe I am here. But that Jesus would be the center of everything. Like, really, really, that I would settle in my heart, God, you're worthy of it all. And even when I'm tired and when I'm, and when I'm feeling all of these things, like, when the Jesus People Movement happened in the 70s, you got to understand there were people, like, rolling, rolling joints in their living room. And the Lord would crash in and they would just, they were, they were in awe of the love of Jesus. I know that doesn't fit into your theology because you think Jesus would never do that, but that's exactly what he wants to do. He wants to crash in on the crack houses. He wants to crash in on the brokenness. And he wants to flood his love into their life so they can be transformed. You say, well, how can that happen with you? It's why we're opening up a men's home. Because you can't, you can't, you can't have issue with something and not do something about it. And so I would ask you today to ask the Lord, God, what is it you want to use me to do? And then allow him to press you.
Why? Because he's trying to create something new out of you. I would ask you to ask yourself, are you not tired of the same old thing? Why not embrace this Jesus that died to make you anew? I want to pray over you and not fall. Would you just close your eyes at your hands? Oh, man. Yeah, Lord. Listen, I want to ask you the question we usually ask at this church today, and I want to ask you, how's your heart? We talked about the heart being the seat of adoration today. And I just want to ask you, man, how's your heart doing? I just feel this, I feel this thing where the Lord's saying, I just want to break that hardness off. All of the things that, that attach themselves, the frustrations, the worry, even the sin and, and the feeling of I fall short, he wants to break it off today. So that you can walk in fullness. So I'm just going to ask you real quick, man, if you're hearing you say there's some, there's some stuff around my heart, my heart feels hard. Would you just raise your hand right now? Yeah, who else right now? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to pray over you right now. And then what we're going to do is we're going to go back into that. And I'm just going to give you the opportunity to worship. But here's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask you to fix your eyes on him. I just told you how to do it. Just block everything else out and say, Jesus, and he'll come. And pray, pray, talk to him. So, Father, right now, every hand that was lifted, God, I just speak over that heart right now. All over the room, and I speak wholeness over that heart in the name of Jesus. That all hardness, all anger, bitterness, frustration, feelings of failure, of not being good enough, God, right now in the name of Jesus, it breaks. Come on, let them come. And God, give them the ability to see themselves the way you see them. God, we will respond every single time if that's what it takes. And God, as we worship you today, I ask that you would just break those things off. We're going to go back into a time of worship, and I'm... I, I would just encourage you to change your location, change your position, and to find a place to just connect with Him. And listen, this is how we're going to end. They're going to worship, and we're going to just fix our eyes on Jesus. And if you have to go, I understand. But I would encourage you just for a few to just stick around and to just connect with Him.